0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Monday, I must i must confess. Matter of fact, I said Sunday evening. Those of you who came Sunday evening to church uh, and, and listened to the message, you heard me say that I didn't necessarily care about the eclipse too much, that I wasn't looking forward to it. It doesn't make that much difference to me. Um... And the point that I was making that I was going to be focused on God, not that I didn't care if the eclipse happened or not. But I truly wasn't very excited about the eclipse, I guess, is what I'm going to confess to you. I uh, felt like it was probably overhyped. I felt like it had been overplayed. I felt like, well, it couldn't possibly be everything that it was being made out to be. Uh, But about 1.15, I stepped out of my office into the parking lot. And I slid my silly little glasses on along with 15 people that I'd never met before in my life who were gathered in our church parking lot. And I looked to the sky and my opinion immediately changed as I looked as the moon crossed paths uh, with the sun. And what I was overcome with was that I was getting a chance to see firsthand in, in there's no way to underplay that we were looking at the definition of Psalm chapter 19 play out before our very eyes when it says uh, that the heavens move in according to the order of a holy God and they cry out to his glory and as I watch the moon travel perfectly in front of the sun now I'm no astronomer nor am I the son of an astronomer. But I am quite sure that the fact that the moon passed directly in front of the sun in the way that it did has to be part of a divine order. Those things just don't happen, just cause. That's, you know the reason that that happened Monday is because thousands of years ago, the God above all things, the creator, the great I am said, let it happen. And when he put it into existence thousands of years ago, he knew that in 2017 we were going to peer out of our windows in Lebanon, Tennessee, and that moon was going to be moving according to the order that God had placed into existence, and it was going to scream at the top of its lungs, God is amazing. And we got to see that firsthand. I had a conversation with with someone from the church, Thursday, I think it was, and we had both noticed the same thing. We had both noticed that when the moon was directly in front of the sun and we had that darkness, did you notice that it only took a sliver of light before the parking lot lights kicked off and everything went back to being so full of light? And it made me think about how often we get bogged down thinking that we can't make a difference. But my friends, that was a perfect example that if we would just be a sliver of light in this dark and dying world, we can make a difference. Because Jesus Christ will show through if we will just give that sliver of light. That has nothing to do with what we're preaching this morning at all. So those five minutes were free. But if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17 be in verses 11 through 19, the Savior of hopeless situations, the Savior of hopeless situations. We're going to see this morning that that same Holy Savior who showed up and showed out in front of our very eyes Monday shows up and shows out in a very mighty way in the gospel of Luke as as we look to this. And can I just ask this question as we get started? Is there a witness in the house? Is there somebody in the house who will slip their hand up and say that God has been their Savior in a hopeless situation before? Amen. Do we have a witness in the house? Amen. Give me an amen on that one. God has been the God in our hopeless situations before. God has been the God in the situations where we said, I don't know which way's up, which way's down, which way's left, which way's right. Don't know how I'm going to get out. Don't know where I'm going. Don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. But God has showed up and showed out in our lives. So in such a way that when we got there, we had to say that had to be God. It had to be God because nothing else would have gotten us through that. This morning we're going to be looking at a story where it had to be Jesus. It had to be the Savior. And so please stand in honor and reverence the reading of our holy words of our holy creator this morning from the Gospel of Luke chapter 17 beginning in verse 11. And now it happened as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would do what only you could do this morning. And that is, let your Holy Spirit fall upon us like fire, Lord. God, give us the... Wisdom from this scripture, God, help us to glean what it is you would have us to hear. God, allow a message from you to be preached this morning and nothing of Jason Mall, Lord God. And God, we promise as always we will give you the praise, we will give you the honor, and we will give you the glory for what you do. And all of God's people said, Amen. and you may be seated. Now, right here in chapter 17 of the Gospel of Luke, we have quite an amazing miracle take place. We have the simultaneous healing of 10 leprous men. Now, to heal any one person would no doubt be considered a miraculous experience. I mean, to heal one person from from leprosy... That's quite amazing. In Luke chapter 5, he heals one leper and we all look at it as an amazing miracle of God. But right here in chapter 17, we see that simultaneously, all at the same time, all in the same breath, all in the same moment, Jesus Christ our Savior heals ten men of leprosy all at the same moment. I fear that sometimes we we read too quickly through our text and and, and we sometimes miss out on some amazing stuff. My friends, that is pretty miraculous to heal ten people at the same time. And so let's look at verses 12 and 13 as we first look at the hopelessness of their situation. At the hopelessness of their situation. We have Jesus makes his way into town. And as he arrives into town, he hears the cries of these leprous men now it's no surprise that he would hear the cries of these leprous men, because these men would have been cast out of the camp. They would have been cast out of the town. They wouldn't been allowed to be involved with the other people in the town, so they would have been on the outskirts. And, and even further than that, according to Leviticus 13.45, it would have been their duty as lepers to when they saw someone else coming to shout at the top of their lungs, I am unclean, I am unclean. So they would have not only been cast out, they would have been shunned, they would have been shamed to the point that they had to announce that they were unclean and unworthy and untouchable and unallowed to be around. Now this terrible disease was very contagious. It was a very contagious disease, and this is why they did that. Leviticus spends two chapters in chapters 13 and 14 explaining how the priests who were the medicine men, so to speak, they were the the ones who would determine whether someone had leprosy or not, how they would go about determining that. And it would be a a, a weeks and weeks of process. So if someone had a, a ball come up on their skin, or they had a cut, or they had anything going on on their skin, they would have to go to the priest, and they would be set apart, and they would go through all of these things. And so these men, they had been through that. They had subjected themselves to that standing. They had been found to be leprous. They had been found to have the, the, the severest of the diseases and they had been pushed aside because it was so contagious that they couldn't stay in the camp. Just touching them or breathing the same air or breathing the infected air could spread it so they had literally been quarantined to roam outside of the gates of the city with other lepers. Now I just want to briefly point out just how hopeless their situations was, and I'm I'm not going to get too graphic, but one of the worst parts of leprosy wasn't just the boils and the the skin disease itself and the things that you could see. It wasn't just being outcast and shunned from society and being hopeless. Part of that disease, it, it would literally cause their limbs and the marrow in their bones and their nerves to begin to deteriorate and die and their bodies would literally literally just kind of shrivel up uh, there've been stories that that they could drop a potato into a fire reach in and pick it up singeing their skin having no idea that they had done it and so they would not only have the disease and the boils, but they would burn themselves and hurt themselves. They would have no feeling. It would be as if if you could not feel pain in an extremity and, and somebody smashed it with a hammer. You'd have no idea it happened, but the, the injury would still be there even though you hadn't felt it. And, and so it, that's the way leprosy would affect the body as it continued to go. And so the symptoms of the disease and the visual of the disease and the contagiousness of the disease and the being outcast as a result of the disease it was quite catastrophic on someone's life as you can imagine you weren't allowed to see your family you weren't allowed to see your friends you weren't even allowed to go into your city every time you heard someone coming you had to shout that you were unclean so that you would let them know to stay away and i can only imagine that as they sat outside the gates every single day getting worse That they had to feel that their situation was hopeless. They had to feel that there was no end in sight. They had to feel that things had reached a point where they had nothing to live for even. But in verse 13, we see them do something amazing. It says they lifted up their voices. Now, I just want to stop right there. Just being able to lift up their voices. Imagine with me this disease as it attacks their bodies and attacks their systems. It would cause their vocal cords, too, not to work the same way. And so uh, if uh, if someone who was leprous would try to talk, it's been said that it was... It was a muffle. It was all they could do to get something out. And so when it says that they cry out in a loud voice, that itself tells me that in their hopelessness, they realized that their opportunity was coming down the road. They realized there was something about this Jesus that was coming down the road, and they mustered up. Everything that they had, this, this crying out in a loud voice literally speaks to, to mustering up everything they had inside of us to, to say something and cry out. But they cry out a very specific word. They say, Master. They cry out, Jesus, Master. Now they could have cried out, Jesus, Teacher, Jesus, Healer, Jesus, Rabbi, Jesus, anything. But this specific word that they used acknowledges that that the person that they're crying out to has a notable power or a notable authority. And I just think of it and I think that no doubt as they hovered outside of the city in their hopeless situation, as they sat there not knowing how long they were going to make it, how bad their situation was, where it was going to go from there, I can't help but think that they had talked among themselves and they had said, you remember what that Jesus did. Way back in Luke chapter 5 when he healed that other leper. If he could heal that leper, then no doubt he could heal us as well. And no doubt that they began to hear that Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem. And they began to say, I don't know if he'll make his way to our town again. But then they heard that he was coming. And then they saw him afar off. They saw just a glimpse of the Savior. And I can't help but think that they all looked at each other and said, this is our chance. If we are going to get out of this situation, if we're going to get out of this state of hopelessness, there is our chance walking down the road. Boys, let's give it all we got. Let's give it all we got and make sure he hears us. And Master, one who can heal me, one who there is hope in, the one who has healed the other lepers, would you have mercy on me? Jesus. My situation is pitiful. And if it's going to get better, it's going to be a result of your mercy in my life. Jesus, I got no hope. But I realize you're the one who is the Savior of hopeless situations. And I'm going to cry out to you. They understood, essentially, that apart from Jesus, they were going to die there outside the city. As lepers. You know when I look at the lepers. Because the thing about preaching through a text like this. In a place like this. Is that it's real easy for those of us who have never seen leprosy or it's effects on someone. Those of us who have never lived through an epidemic of leprosy ourselves. It'd be easy for us to tune out. And say, well, here's a message about lepers, and I'm not a leper. Here's a message about a disease that we don't even deal with anymore. So I'm going to tune out. I'm going to get ready for lunch. I hear that Peking has good, sweet, and sour chicken, and I can't wait to get there. They do have good, sweet, and sour chicken, by the way. But I can't help but realize, that I want to make sure you do too, of how this relates to us in our lives. Because we, like the lepers, just hopeless, on the outside looking in, crumbled, no hope to survive, hell bound, shackled to our heavy load until we caught a glimpse of Jesus, until we saw Jesus pass by. And can I just tell you something else? Until we find ourselves where we recognize that we don't have any hope apart from Jesus, we won't turn to Jesus. Until we acknowledge in our own lives that our situation is dire and we need the mercy of God in order to survive, we'll continue doing it on our own. We won't turn to God. We won't give it to God. And our situation will continue exactly the way it was because God is the God of the hopeless situations. And He will have mercy on us, but He's waiting for us to cry out, Master, Master, have mercy on me. I can't do it alone. This situation is beyond what I can handle. And I need you to take over this if anything is going to change in it. And so before we move on, I just want to say this. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never gotten to the point where you recognize that you couldn't make it. You've never gotten to the point where you recognize that, that you owed a debt of sin that you couldn't pay. You've never recognized that you were hell bound. You've never recognized that you'd never been saved. I just, I just want to take just a moment before we move on and say this this morning. God's still in the saving business. Same way that he healed those hopeless lepers, he can heal our hopeless situations. But maybe you are saved and you're here this morning. And you you, you thought you'd tune out because the hopeless situation had to do with leprosy. But can I just tell you that we all deal with our hopeless situations in our lives from time to time. We all get to the point where we run up on something and we say, it's more than I can handle. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's some other situation. Maybe you've got a a rebellious kid. Maybe you've got something. Something. And you've looked at it and you've said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to handle this. Your situation is hopeless, my friend. And the only thing we can do is handle it the same way that the lepers did. By crying out, Master. Have mercy on me. So the hopelessness of the situation. But I want us to look quickly at the, the happenings of our Savior. The happenings of our Savior. Look at verse 11. It says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. But can I just point out he's taken a route that geographically wouldn't have been necessary. He had really no reason to go to this town if he was going directly to Jerusalem. But Jesus doesn't always take the most direct route when he walked on this earth. He doesn't always go directly from one place to another. I'm reminded of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus made his way to Samaria before moving on his way, not because he needed to geographically, not because he needed to go to the well for a drink of water. Jesus made his way... Out of his way to intersect his life with that woman at the well because she had a divine appointment with salvation that was coming her way. He was anointing this woman to go out and preach the gospel to all of her people, and she had no idea when she went to the well that day that there was going to be one coming who was going to give her living water that she'd never tasted before. And the same thing is going on here with these ten leprous men sitting outside a city that Jesus didn't need to walk to in order to get to Jerusalem but he went there because he had a divine appointment with 10 leprous men. I might even go a step further that by the time we're done we'll see that he had a divine appointment in fact with one leprous man among 10 who he would go on to deem as his faith had made him well and we'll see that in just a moment I would say that Jesus had a divine appointment with that one leprous man and was willing to go wherever he had to go to make that appointment happen as he walked on this earth there's a song that Jason Crabb used to sing called "He came Looking for me." It's one of my favorite songs that the Crab family ever sang. So, he made a way when there was no way that I could see. He came looking for me. Now I would sing it, but I don't sing on key. So just know that he came looking for me. One of my favorite songs out there. And I was reminded of that when I look at Jesus and I see him going out of his way through the highways and the byways. And he goes to make this divine appointment happen. Look at at what happens in verse 14, though. So he goes out of his way. He goes to where they're at. And then look at verse 14. When he sees them, so they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He sees them. And he says to them, go. Go. Show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went. What happened? They were cleansed. So Jesus makes his way into town. They cry out, Master, have mercy. Jesus sees them afar off. Jesus didn't even have to walk over there and perform a ritual. Jesus just said, all right, go on. And they were cleansed as they went. They were cleansed as they went. Now, why did Jesus need them to go see the priest, though? Do you think he, he was wondering if he was able of heal, to heal this disease, that he needed a second medical opinion? I need you to go check with the priest and see if I knew what I was doing. I need you to, to go and see what's going on and get this second professional opinion. I need to know if I've done what I set out to do when I got here. Of course that's not what's going on with Jesus. Of course he knows that if he heals the leprosy, the leprosy is healed indeed. But he says, I need you to go see the priest. Now there's a couple of things going on there. One, the priest had been the ones who had cast them out. And so they had to be the ones that would allow them in, essentially. So Jesus knew that in order for these men to be able to be restored to their normal lives, they were going to have to see the priests and go through that process and be approved as clean and allowed to come back in. But I think there's something even bigger going on here. I think, I think there's something else going on here. Because you see, we're, we're in, in this place in the gospel account that Luke writes where Jesus is essentially on his way to the cross. His earthly ministry, he's done so many things and he's nearing the end of his time here physically on this earth. He's fixing to go and he's fixing to die for our sins. And as he makes his way there, I don't think it would be any shock to most of you for me to say that as Jesus began to make his way to his cross... There were certain religious leaders who the priests would have been a part of who began to be quite upset at what Jesus was doing. Right, we preached last week that the Pharisees were so mad at Jesus for bringing Lazarus forth that they didn't just want Jesus dead, they wanted Lazarus dead because they knew that dead man that lived was going to testify to the glory of God. And so these these priests would have been a part of that Pharisee and Levite and Sadducee class. They would have been enforcing the laws the way that they had enforced them. They would have been putting the rituals the way that they'd been putting them. And Jesus was coming along and he was completely shattering their religious system. But now think about what Jesus does when he says, the leprous men you need to go and see those priests and scribes. He was forcing those priests to spend eight days looking at the glory of God. huh Think about that for a minute. He was forcing those priests that I hate. I want you to go see the priests and see if he'll let you back in. He was forcing those priests who would have rather done anything. Then give glory to Jesus for a healing. He was forcing them to examine a healing that they couldn't do of their own ritual. To examine a healing that they couldn't come up with. And then to approve it as done. Think about that. Jesus said, I want you to go to the ones who plan to kill me. I want you to show them what I've done. And I want them to approve you as being cleansed by Jesus. They were going to have to watch these men these very men that they had cast out, these very men that they had said were hopeless, they were going to have to say, they're healed. They're cleansed. They were going to have to acknowledge the Savior and validate His deity, at least in the life of these ten men. Sometimes, Sometimes I run into someone and I feel like such a Pharisee because I see their lives and I'm reminded that I gave up on them. I'm reminded that I didn't think there was any hope that they were ever going to change and suddenly there they stand in front of me and their life is drastically different. But you know every time I walk away, And all I can say is that must have been God. Because nothing else would have fixed that guy. Nothing else would have changed that. You know, sometimes I run into people. And I can see the shoe on their foot. When they see me and they say, I heard you were a preacher. I say, yeah. You know what they say every time? That had to be God. And you know what I say every time? <laughs> no. I say you're right. Because they ain't nothing about me or my life ever said. That boy's gonna preach. It had to be God. It has to be God. And so for these priests, they were forced to look at these leprous men and say, They're healed. And they had to know that it had to be God. So we see the hopeless lepers. We see the happenings of our Savior. And let us look quickly as we close at the hallelujah of the saints. You already know this one's going to be fun. The hallelujah of the saints. Starting in verse 15 we see something start to happen. It says one of them when he saw that he was healed returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Now I want you to think just about this for a minute. Imagine that you've been stuck with these 10 men and you've all had leprosy. It's an obvious disease. You can see it. You can feel it. You can see it on somebody else. You've announced with these men countless times by this point that you're unclean. I have no doubt that they had tried every remedy under the sun to try to get rid of their leprosy. I have no doubt in my mind they'd done everything they could think of to get themselves better and nothing had ever worked. But imagine suddenly that you cried out to this Jesus. He said, go and see the priest. And as you went on your way to the priest, you looked over at this guy that you'd been outcast with for so long and you began to see that his boils were gone you begin to see that the leprosy was just falling off of him. That he was suddenly whole. Now I'm not a, a scientist or a doctor or a medical professional. I don't know exactly how the process of one getting better from leprosy would normally work. I assume there could be scars. It could be a long process. But I'm here to tell you for at least ten men. I know that from the time they got up. By the time they took their second step. They looked like they were completely restored. And they began to look at one another. And they said those scars are gone those boils are gone you you don't got leprosy no more do I have I I don't see it on my arm is is it on my back do I have leprosy anymore what's going on here and they said we're healed and can you just imagine how they sounded when they said they're healed I bet that they walked like good Baptists do uh, uh, coming into the church house and they said brother we're better good 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 Amen. No, 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 no. I said, I, I'm better. I'm, I'm better. I'm better. I can go home. I can see my wife. I can see my kids. I can see my dad. I can go. I can eat a meal with people that don't have boils on their skin. I'm better. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. But one of them, one of them said, wait a minute. I'm healed. I need to go back and say something to that guy. He just fixed me. I said, Master, have mercy on me. And he had mercy on me. And I need to go back and I need to say thank you to him. Look what it says he did. It says he returned. And with a sanctimonious, quiet church house voice. glorified God. No. It says he returned and with a loud voice with a booming voice I want you to know that, that in the Greek there are several ways they could describe a voice. When he uses this term there is no doubt that it is a shout type of voice. It would have been a loud thunderous roaring voice that as he got back to Jesus he fell at his feet and I can't help but think that he said thank you God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in my hopeless situation. I had no hope, and now I have hope. I had nowhere to go, and now I've somewhere to go. I was dead, and now I'm alive. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe there are a few of us that would do good to remember what Jesus had done for us. I believe that there are a few of us, if we would take the time to look back and remember that we were hopeless. You know, that's what happens when you get hope. Sometimes if you ain't careful, you forget that you were ever hopeless. See, sometimes we get saved and sanctimonious and we forget that there was ever a time where we weren't. And we forget all of a sudden what makes Jesus so glorious is that he came looking for me. When I was unworthy and unlovable and He loved me anyway. And He extended His grace and His mercy to me and He fixed me anyway. No, He didn't heal me from leprosy. He he healed me from a far more treacherous disease than that. He healed me from death. Uh, He didn't take boils off my skin. He took sin out of my life. He didn't heal me from something that had me physically held back. Jesus Christ said, that one's mine. And when I stand before Father God, God ain't going to see me no more. He's going to see Jesus. He's not going to see all of my sin and trespasses. He's going to see the perfection of a Savior. He's going to see the Jesus that lived perfectly, died perfectly, and resurrected perfectly and sits at His right hand. My friends, He didn't fix me from leprosy. No, no, no. I could die of balls tomorrow and I'd still be healed because spiritually Jesus came and found me. And that is worth me shouting from the rooftops. Thank you, Jesus. I I can't do enough for you, Jesus. I can't go far enough for you, Jesus, because you have done for me what I couldn't do for myself when you healed me. Now I want us to look at something that should speak volumes to us as a church. In verses 18 and 19, it says, Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God? except this foreigner. Now, if you look at the end of verse 16, you see that he was a Samaritan. The significance of that to me is, is merely this. He was an outsider of outsiders, right? He was an outsider before he had leprosy. He was, he was as far out that nobody who was religious would have ever dreamed of reaching out to a leper or a Samaritan, much less a leprous Samaritan. And Jesus said, I don't care. I don't care who he was. I came looking for that Samaritan today. And I want you to look at what happens. He says, only this foreigner returned to give glory. And he said to them, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now I want to be clear. This doesn't mean that the other nine guys didn't get healed because they didn't come back to give glory to God. No, they're all ten healed from their leprosy. But this one right here, he was healed from a far more dreaded disease. He got salvation that day. He wasn't just healed from his boils. He was given salvation. He says, your faith has made you well. And what that suggests to us, and I don't want you to miss this. If you didn't hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. What that suggests to us is that one of the things that we will do if we are truly healed by Jesus. One of the things that we will do. Not that we can do. One of the things that we will do if we truly know Jesus, is we'll worship him. This man was healed by Jesus. He couldn't wait to come back and worship his Savior. This man was healed by Jesus, and he couldn't think of anything he'd rather do than run back to this man and give him his praise and honor and glory. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well, not from leprosy, but from your spiritual condition. You've been healed. And this happens when we remember that we were hopeless. And when we remember the happenings of our Savior, we can't help but have a hallelujah as a saint. So my friends, I ask you this. Where's your hallelujah at this morning? Where's it at? Because if it ain't alive and well and rolling off your tongue, you got some work to do. But you know the best part about that work you got to do? The only work you got to do is give it to God and he'll do the rest. You couldn't fix it yourself. You didn't. You, you broke it, but you can't fix it. So just bring it to his feet this morning. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I'm going to ask our musicians to come up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'm going to ask our pianist to just softly play for just a moment. And I know this is different. I know I don't normally do this, but I just this is what we need to do this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, our pianist is playing softly. And I have a question for everybody in the house. I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want anybody staring around. But in the house this morning, I can't help but think there's somebody here who feels like they're in a hopeless situation. If you feel like you're in a hopeless situation this morning, I want you to bravely raise your head and let me see your eyes. I want to know who I need to pray for. I want to know who I need to pray for this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Countless, hopeless situations in the house this morning. I got news for you, though. Just like those lepers, you've got a Savior who's waiting on you cry out, Master, have mercy on me. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And when we sing it, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, you don't have to. I can't make you. But I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to come to this altar. You don't have to pray with me. You can if you want to. But you come to this altar. And at this altar, I just want you to cry out these words. You say whatever else you need to do, but I want you to cry out, Master, have mercy on me which would acknowledge that Jesus is your master and ask him to have mercy in this situation. You can do it in your pew, you're absolutely right, but there's something about the commitment to come to this altar and cry out, Abba, Father, have mercy on me. Let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you so much that you are the God of our hopeless situations, that when we feel we don't know where to go, you're still God. God, I thank you for that song that Miss Melinda sang to us this morning. That no matter how hot the fire or how long we've been in it, you'll take us through it again and again. I thank you for all the times you've taken me through the fire in my life, God. And I thank you that in this house, this morning, there are folks that need you to carry them through the fire. God, I pray you give them the courage, the conviction, and the ability to lay it at your feet this morning and cry out, Master, have mercy on me and my situation. God, there may be somebody here who's never cried out to you and said, I want to be saved. God, would you do for them what you did for that one leprous man, Lord God? You give them the courage to come back and worship you. God, would you save them? And we know you will. So God, as everybody stands this morning, as we sing this song together, we want to give you the praise and honor and the glory, Lord, and it's in your precious name.